0: All right, we're recording. So tell me a little bit of why you came to this conference.
1: Yeah, so I've been engaged in social justice kind of work uh, in under-resourced, marginalized communities for the past eight years. Uh I'm new to this. Yes. Uh, But what I've found is a lot of people doing the work, doing amazing work, but they don't have an interior uh, practice of their own. And so they're not creating space within themselves to sustain this radical, all consuming, impossible work. Right. And so being in spaces like this um, is just vitally important to me.
0: Yeah. No, absolutely. And what what is so important then about this space that it's POC centered and run by people of color?
1: Right. Well, there are traditions, there are practices that have come from people of color that aren't out front and center. Um, being propagated people don't know about them mm-hmm. you know it's just little niches of people that know about them yeah. but it needs to be included people of color the practices the, the things that have sustained us throughout history mm-hmm. need to be brought into the grand mix of things to help us all
0: In January of 2018, I attended a very unique conference focused on people of color, a POC-centered conference focusing on a theological inquiry. The Mystic Soul Projects creates spaces that center the voices, teachings, practices, and wisdom of people of color at the intersections of mysticism, activism, and healing. This mission is inclusive and centering of the margins, which includes centering queer and trans voices of color. The Mystic Soul Project engages in a people of color centered approach to action, activism, and contemplative mysticism. We believe that we are in a critical moment in our nation and the world. Part of creating a world that holds space for grace and equanimity means decentering all the structures and forms of white privilege and supremacy as well as deconstructing and visibilizing the historical and contemporary erasure of POC in the Christian contemplative lineage, Western spiritual traditions, and practices. We believe it is an important time to reclaim our own historical memory of the POC contemplative past and build a more inclusive spiritual future. This process means facing the issues of privilege and erasure, not just of POC contemplative lineage, but the lost indigenous spiritual roots that suffered annihilation through colonization. It also means facing together the complexities of intergenerational trauma and finding a path towards collective and individual healing to find our way forward. And so this is a special issue to engage more of what this was about. This is profane faith While the conference is a revolutionary approach to conferences and to truly understand mystic soul You gotta attend the conversations I had were with folks who attended the conference to get their perspective and to get a general feel For what they thought about what mystic soul meant for them My first conversation is with a woman who needs no introduction but you know what? I'm gonna do it anyway. Rashida Washington. Rashida Washington is a woman of many talents and expertise. She runs a business, is an author, and also finds time to do community engagement work around Chicago. So go on, check this out. I was ready? that's right. Now, what's up? All right.
2: Ready? Yeah. I am Rashida Graham Washington, and I am a neighbor, a friend, um, a daughter. And, uh, yeah, a wife, um, a lover of black Jesus.
0: Yes, yes, amen to (laughs) that. I like to make
2: the distinction. That's right. And um, I am a seeker of equity. Uh Uh-huh. I serve as uh, the executive director for Communities First Association. Okay, okay. And I am also the chief experience officer and owner of Live 2.0 LLC, which currently has its expression as Live Cafe Uh at 163 South Oak Park Avenue in Oak Park, Illinois. Okay. And effective today, also um, kind of a pop-up second location where we can show up at conferences like the one we're at. So (laughs) that's super exciting.
0: That's what's up. Well, I mean, well, speaking of the conference that we're at, what... Why this conference? Why did you show up to this? Why did you give your time, energy, all that good stuff? Mm-hmm. What What about this conference?
2: So this conference is really special to me for a couple of reasons. Um, one, Jade, Teresa, and Ra, the co-founders of the Mystic Soul Project, are just phenomenal women um, who recognize what they would refer to as the margin of the margin.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and I just love that because I think when we start to examine how socioeconomics affect our placement in this country, we're no longer having a conversation just about the ways that race and privilege coincide and intersect, Mm -hmm. but we really start to have more of a conversation about how socioeconomics inform the ways that we define the margin. So even because of desegregation and school integration and all of those kinds of things, um, people who used to just simply be defined as the margin at large started becoming educated. And because of that, they were able to maintain a lifestyle that is more suitable to the middle class. The more more middle class we are, um, the more privilege we ascertain and then, even the margin can start to forget the margin. Yes. So, what's special to me about this conference is that it really is focused and centered on examining who is the margin of the margin. Yeah. Um, and giving voice and presence um, and thought and space to raising up and being thoughtful about. Prioritizing Those who are usually invisible And unseen Mm -hmm. And not thought of or regarded When conferences are gathered and convened
0: You know that's an interesting point that you bring up In regards to just conferencing Because conferences are big In Christian culture I mean as long as I've been a Christian I can remember some form Of conference Mm -hmm. Whether it was on a camp, whether it was in a hotel Most of them in a hotel, some Mm -hmm. convention center what about this about person of color centered? What is what's the significance of that?
2: Yeah, I think when we design those conferences like the ones you and I attend all the time, Dan, I always am asking myself, who are we who are we privileging when mm. we design mm-hmm. that conference, when we curate the experience, when we think about the itinerary and the schedule and the speakers? And oftentimes in Christian, evangelical, dominant culture centered convenings and gatherings, they are privileging Christian, evangelical, conservative um, tradition, mm-hmm. doctrine, right? Yes. yes. Um, and when you're in those spaces, you feel the presence of those elements, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so some of the things that are different about a, a conference like Mystic Soul is like, even how time is being considered here, how we are looking at rhythms and the way that people mm. flow and move. Yeah, um, Live Cafe is present on as a part of the conference today. Because we know that people of color like to have sidebar conversations, <laughs> and so oftentimes yes, we, we end up in quote unquote trouble right. in a dominant culture center conference because we're never where we're supposed to be because right. we've dipped off and started talking and conspiring about the work. <laughs> um, but this conference kind of held up, for example, mm-hmm. that part of who we are as a people Yes. and privileged that in such a way mm. that they made space yes. for us to dip off and just be together uh-huh. and be in community and get to know each other and deepen relationship. Um, and so that's one example of the uniqueness of the Mystic Soul Conference. Mm-hmm. And it really gets at the heart of some of the rules of law that the Mystic Soul Project um, embodies, that we value people um over transactions, we, we value relationship and community over transactions, um, and that we value our rhythms, our ebbs and our flows over being time certain and having hard starts and hard stops.
0: Well, so this brings up another good question then. So what about, what is the Mystic Soul Project? Like, for those distinguishing the two, you are on the website, and for those of you listening, I'll put all this in the show notes, um, but what is the difference between the Mystic Soul Project and the Mystic Soul
4: Conference?
2: Yeah, so I would call the Mystic Soul Project the move itself okay All right. um, it's the space in between a conference and another conference <laughs> um, <laughs> you know sometimes we have these conferences and then we don't do anything else we don't see each other we don't build relationship we don't support each other's work um, we don't do life together until we conference again
0: it's true no um, absolutely it's true
2: yeah but I think the Mystic Soul Project is calling us to go deeper than that and to be together and to be with and to be aligned and to be partnered and relating even when there is no conference how are we sharing in conversations together how are we supporting one another's work and how are we being together even when there's no conference at all so I would that's what the embodiment of the project is to me
0: wow I mean those all those things sound amazing I mean for one I mean um, you know, we're here on North Park's campus, and uh, you know, there's uh, there's always turmoil.
2: Yeah, man. <laughs> uh
0: huh. Um, <laughs> you know, and hopefully, I always tell folks, you know, hopefully, we listen to this podcast years from now, we can look back and be like, man, thank God it wasn't then. But yeah, until that time arrives, we are here right now. Mm-hmm. What? Um, how do you see this as moving the conversation forward? There's a lot of discouragement yeah among people of color right mm-hmm, now. It mm-hmm. feels like we've taken a step back easily a half a century mm-hmm. in many regards. But what how does this and I know that's a leading question, but how does this, yeah, no. how does this conference move hope forward and in, in what's what's happening? Does that I don't know, does that make no, sense? No
2: that that's a good question. I think that it reminds us uh, the conference is a place for us to be to gather and be reminded mm. of what the important values of a movement are. Um, so, for example, like we're talking about the margin of the margin, right? So, a lot of the work that people who represent the margin of the margin do yeah. often goes undetected, unnoticed. Yeah, um, it's not held up and highly visible. It is often subversive. Yeah. Um, And so, even being on the campus of North Park, which we're really, is awesome and incredible, and we're appreciative for the space that North Park has provided us to do this work. Um, There are many folks who work within spaces like this that are subversive every day, that they are slowly, slowly tipping the needle. Yeah. Um, They are, gradually being heard and in, in a prophetic nature yeah and a conference like this gives us an opportunity to stand in solidarity with the people who don't always show up on the main stage mm-hmm. but are definitely doing the hard work in conference rooms and board rooms and meeting rooms and office spaces um, the one-on-one conversations the emails the difficult discussions um, that they're doing in on a, in a real nine to five gritty kind of way. Absolutely. Um, We want to honor those folk who, who may not be named um, to keynote anywhere, who who might not (laughs) have a book written already, but who are in the trenches of what we're, what we're doing. And, And that's one thing that I think Mystic Soul does a really good job of honoring. Yes.
0: That's powerful. Because, I mean, you said a couple of things just right. I mean, books, um, (laughs) name, platform, Mm -hmm. um, all those things, especially in the Christian world, are big, right? Yeah. I get emails from Christian publishers weekly, if not every other day. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that discourages me the most um, is I see a continual stream of white men writing about theological issues. Yeah. And... uh, I guess, I mean, and that's for me, it's encouragement to see a place like this where it kind of, again, decenters that. Mm-hmm. Because I think that's, it's like I like to say, it's like racism is in the theological DNA. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We've been trained to see theology from a white male cis perspective. Sure. And so it's difficult then, if that's been your standard, then it's difficult then to undo that because you think, well, this is the way prayer should be, this is yeah. the way yeah. evangelism should be.
2: Yeah. You know, I think one really important part to the undoing of that is starting to examine the posture we take in general um, in our lives, in relationship with one another. You know, um, number one... Some of us aren't trying to undo it, and we need to just start telling the truth about that. Like, we're we're trying to actually maintain it and preserve it. And I could deal better with it if we would just say that that's really what we're trying to do. I'm challenged by um, institutions and people groups who say that they want equity and that they want more voices at the table, but they're trying to also simultaneously preserve that that is rooted and steeped in the tradition of a white male-dominant voice. Yes. Um, And so that's one thing. Like, we just need to name what what we're really trying to do. Right. But I think that also we need to recognize that if we're really trying to dismantle that dominant culture approach to all things, to anything, that it is going to require some deconstruction and it's going to require some relinquishing. we got to be willing Mm. to give up Things, um, things that we have been taught to preserve and reserve, Um, (laughs) time, space, money, um, auditory space, geographical space. All of those kinds of spaces are going to have to be relinquished um, so that we can achieve that equity that we keep Mm. talking about.
0: Wow. So let me go back to something, too. You are a business owner. I am. All right. (laughs) And in Oak Park. I I stay in Oak Park. Yep, yep. Um, What was the genesis for that? And and can you talk a little bit about just what this space is? I mean, because I find it so unique, so powerful. Because you use it much more than a coffee
2: space. Oh, for sure.
0: This is just not your regular Starbucks. I mean, mm-hmm. we have dialogues and engagement. and Can you talk a little bit about that?
2: Yeah, sure. So um, I'm the executive director for Communities First Association. And Communities First is essentially a national faith-based professional learning, learning organization. We focus on multiplying asset-based community development principles in the U.S. and Canada.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And so oftentimes people say... Okay, we got the theory of what you're saying, asset-based community development is. What does it look like to have it unfolding someplace? Okay. What does it look like to have indigenous folks leading initiatives right from where they live and work and have their being? What does it look like to practice sustainable practices, um, to use what you have in your hand and mobilize that before you go seeking something else? Right. And so, live, first and foremost, is a physical expression of the theory, philosophy, theology, Ooh. missiology, and pedagogy. Oh, you
0: said missiology. Uh, Come on of, now. As,
2: of, of Communities First Association. I think it's really important. For those of us who are going to take main stages and who are going to write books. Yeah. Um, to also have a very praxis-oriented, yes. grassroots yes. expression of those things about which we plan to speak on main stages. Yes. And about which we plan to write, you know. Yes. So I, I do take on main stages, and I do write. I, uh, Sean Casaberry and I just wrote Soul Force, and the book will um, be out in June.
0: Perfect. Um, we'll get you back on. We promote the book. I would We're going to get that. that. I Absolutely. Would love that. And
2: th- that's important work. And, and yes. I'm thankful for every opportunity I have to mobilize my voice um, on behalf of asset based community development. For every time I get to speak or preach or write, I'm, I'm thankful for the academic um, background I have that yeah. affords me that privilege. I recognize it as a privilege. Yeah. I don't think it is appropriate for me to mobilize those gifts and talents if I'm not willing to take the theories that I espouse on the main stage and in the text and drop those things in a grass framework someplace where my dirt is. Um, and so wow. six minutes from my house <laughs> is where Praxis unfolds in my neighborhood. Wow. Um, and I would challenge more of us who mm-hmm. have the privilege to write and speak yes. to also begin to examine where is Praxis at work. So. Yeah. Live is that for me. It's a transformational experience cafe. We have incredible coffee and that's, it's good. Yes, it's, it is it's good. No I can doubt. attest to the the, the <laughs>
0: coffee. She said it was good. what did you say? It's going to rock my it's spirit. It's going
2: to rock your spirit, man. Oh,
0: that first sip. I was like, <laughs> Oh my goodness. Gracious.
2: But you know, and, and we love that, but we use the coffee and the soups and salads and sandwiches in, in a couple of ways. Number one, As a revenue generator, so that we can create sustainable practices in the mission work we hope to do. Right. Um, But also as a draw to get human beings through the door who might not otherwise connect with one another. We see that happening at Live all the time. Dan, you were there (laughs) when we did the panel discussion for Get Out. Uh, yes. That place was packed. Packed, standing room only. Yeah, and it was people from all walks of life having conversations that were very uncomfortable, incredibly (laughs) challenging. Um, But we at Live, we know how to set a tone. We facilitate a tone. And, and not because we want people to be safe and comfortable, but because we want them to practice being in tension and being challenged by each other.
0: Well, and I think that was, I mean, because you, you speak and going to that 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 time when we did get out. I mean, I think mm-hmm. you, one of the things I appreciate about you, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but I love the way you facilitate. I was part of the poverty simulation, which we got to get you back on and talk about that. <laughs> A yep. whole nother conversation <laughs> yep. on that. Um, but you set it up so well that it wasn't it was obviously disarming Mm -hmm. but it also gave people a chance to be like okay let me adjust what I'm thinking because I think a lot of people show up to these things thinking entertain me
2: yeah oh man it's so much (laughs) of what we do is just so incredibly consumptive and I don't even fault us all together for it anymore I think the best we could do is help to raise each other's consciousness about that way of being but It's been bred into us as Americans to just consume, consume, consume. Mm -hmm. We We consume church. We consume Jesus. We consume each other. And we objectify one another as a result of that consumption. And so... Coming together to say, I have nothing to offer you. Do some digging around inside yourself and see what you could pull up and out of yourself. Yes. You'd be surprised what's milling around in there is um, <laughs> a work that yes. we don't have a lot of agility and practice at because we're used to just waiting for someone else to pour something into us instead of being stretched by having to examine and pull up out of us what's already there.
0: And that thing absolutely and that's what I and that's again one of the one of the many uniquenesses of your space and what's happened. Not only that is a person of color, is is business owned, support and give money to that. I mean what are then speaking of that and especially in this in this climate, what are some of the challenges that, that come <laughs> come with that and and, and why coffee
2: yeah well, coffee because everybody drinks it. Amen. Right. Amen. And so I mean, and we have wine too because everybody <laughs> drinks that too. We want the things that everybody drinks because it brings everybody through the door. Right. Um, and so everybody will convene over coffee. So that's why coffee. Um, we also think it's pretty recession-proof because even when when we happy, we drink coffee. When we mad, we drink coffee. When we broke, we still find money for the coffee. coffee. Yeah. You know, yep. and so that's part of it too. But um, Um, Some of the challenges You know I was just actually talking with A colleague of mine right before we started The show today Saying you know are you alright Rashida Are you really alright Rashida Hmm. Like Hmm. what are you doing for soul care Like what are you doing to like You know, take care of yourself. And I have an incredible support system. I'm really thankful for my husband, um, who's incredibly supportive of me, Daryl Washington, Um, and also yeah, I mean, in in a real special way too. Because truth be told, not every guy could be all right with all of what I'm doing. You know, that's real, and I need to name it. And I name it to him, so I don't mind naming it on the podcast. (laughs) Um, And then my children recognize that this work is our lives in a lot of ways and and the ways that they integrate themselves into it and and claim it as their own and as our collective and not as an aside that is taken away from who we are. I'm really grateful for that support system. But what I will say is, what's what's hard is, when you look at the way that philanthropic dollars, don't get me started now, here we go. (laughs) Come on, um, come on. How they flow. And there's (laughs) no question, this is not an arrogant thing, I think it's important to know your gifts and your talents, and to know the worth and value of them. Mm -hmm. And when I look at the work that we're doing, The live team, the CFA team, um, the work that the uh, faith gathering that I co-share and lead once a month is doing. And I look at how hard we have to make a dollar work and how hard we have to work to get another one. Right. You know, right. Um, It is disheartening. Mm -hmm. It's disheartening for me because I know we're doing the work that Mm -hmm. needs to be done. And I know we're doing that work not just doing it well, we're doing it equitably, we're working towards doing it sustainably, we're working towards doing it in ways that underscore the importance of doing it with the people who are already in a place, meaning naming indigenous leaders. We are practicing asset-based community development. And in all of that, we still have to scrounge and do backflips. To get people to understand, appreciate value, and recognize why they should dispense foundational, philanthropic, and denominational dollars towards the work we're doing. Yes. But we have all the money in the world for another conference and another (laughs) gathering and, you know, (laughs) for a building. And another, oh, oh, yeah, definitely for another (laughs) building. We always have money for another building. And so, I, and that, and the politics of it all, and mm-hmm. the tension and dance between naming, um, using my prophetic gift to name that, that inequity, yeah. and that disappointment. Yeah. Um, but also trying to do it in a way that doesn't offend, so that people understand that we need to be working together and doing it in partnership together. You know, it takes a lot of agility to do this dance back and forth between institutions that should be causing the kind of work we do to flourish and being in the community and actually having the energy to do the work that's required there as well. So there's a reason why not so many people do the work at the grassroots and the grass tips. Absolutely. You know, because yes. it's a stretch to do that. Absolutely. Um, and I just really would take this moment to really challenge institutional leaders to really think about how are we supporting the ones who are willing to do that run up and down the ladder so that they have the wherewithal to, to carry those kinds of movements forward.
0: Yes. Wow. There's are so many more things, but I appreciate it. I know you are you are on the clock right
2: yeah, now. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> and um, I just thank you for taking the time. Thank you
2: so much, Dan.
0: Absolutely. We will continue to have you. We have you back. You got the book coming out. Yep. Soul um, Force. That's right. That's <laughs> right. And I want to get you guys back on to talk about that, promote that um, as well. So, again, thank you for the work that you're doing.
2: Thanks so much, Dan. Thanks for having me.
3: You know, when I was invited to Mystic Soul back in October of 2016, the one thing I thought was, oh, my God, it's going to be winter in January. And it was only later that I began to really sink into the idea that Mystic Soul and the Mystic Soul Project was or is a project by people of color, for people of color, so that we can recover the stories that help us animate our best self. And what I mean by animate our best self is so that we can learn to survive the bullshit of the world. So that we can really learn to um, lean in to what I call the politics of radical difference without having Um, you know, a religion or a faith or a spirituality that demands us to mimic or capitulate to the logic of dominance that is best expressed in theologies of white supremacy.
0: The next person I got to chat with was Dr. Calinthia Dowdy. Dr. Calinthia is a proud Philadelphian through and through. She is a busy in her city, serving a diverse array of justice initiatives, but her primary work is in public health as the director of faith initiatives at Feta Fight Community Health Centers, specializing in HIV, AIDS, and as a professor of urban youth ministry and cultural anthropology at Eastern University. Dr. Dowdy's research is in urban studies, race, racism, and the African diaspora, with a focus on Afro-Brazilian youth and activism. Woo! Her and I got a chance to catch up for a little minute. Here's what we talked about. So, tell us a little bit about who you are, where you come from, uh,
5: what do you do for a living? Okay, um, I'm Kalinthia Dowdy, and I'm an Associate Professor of Youth Ministry and Cultural Anthropology at Eastern University uh, in Pennsylvania. And I also um, am a director of faith initiatives at an HIV AIDS organization um, um, where I am a part of creating healing faith practices, um, hmm. Well, one of the things anyway, for folks who are living with HIV. Wow. Um, so that's just a little bit about what I do. Wow, that's what's up. That's what's up. No. So what brought you to Mystic Soul? You know, probably a a few different... There were several different connections. So I I do know Ra Mendoza when she was in Philadelphia at uh, uh, Mission Year. Okay. And Chantel Taumann-Moore, who's also um, part of the, I guess, planning committee. And... um, I, as a youth ministry professor, I, I try to make it a point to stay connected to youth culture and, mm-hmm. uh, and and millennials and so forth, and so I'm always, I always have my ear out for like what's happening, what are they talking about, what's, what are they doing, and I want to be involved. But it also sounded really fresh, you yeah. know, and different. Um, and it connected with my own spiritual journey uh, over the last few years, where I realized that, as people of color, in um, my own particular context, person of color who grew up in evangelical circles and teaches at an evangelical school, and just, we we're colonized, you know? Uh, the yeah. theology is, um, and, you know, I'm a graduate of Westminster Seminary. Yeah. And <laughs> beautiful theology, but uh, suspect. Yeah. Uh, and I would even go as far as to say corrupt mm. uh, in many instances. Mm. And so, we, Definitely had a profound impact on me and my own identity as a as a black woman mm-hmm. um, of faith, and so um, really trying to be involved in liberatory prax- practices and my own healing. Yeah, and so it just sounded like so much should be it.
0: So, and that brings me to the next question. Then is what? Why is this space important for people of color at this time?
5: Man, I tell you, the first night um, when. Uh, uh, somebody was, was speaking. Several people were speaking up front, and just said that this is a conference where the people of color are are, are centered. Mm. And as I sat there and I thought about that, I mean, most of the conferences I've attended throughout my life have been have been conferences where we were not centered. No. We were there. We were on yeah. the fringes. You know, we had a, a a piece of a voice somewhere. But to to be centered right. and to have the whole thing focused on us. Um, I don't know. I had a, I had a moment of like that, that's just profound. So that right there was a was some healing for me, mm. uh, just to realize that something like that was happening. Yes. Um, so that I think that's reason number one why this conference is important is that it centers <laughs> folks who have been marginalized um, and and left out of uh, dialogue, left out of uh, much of scholarship um, for centuries. And so. Um, that, that's a real uh, healing uh, space. And then in this time, because you said right? Right, right, right. We have a, a president. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we do. Oh, my gosh. And then uh, I woke up this morning, I watched the news, and <laughs> shithole was all over the... That's right. That's all over right. my news feed on Facebook and, and on uh, morning news. and I, we, we have a president who, if we're not careful, mm-hmm. um, particularly as people of color... And we start shifting and believing that stuff again, you know, um, we, we've, we've got to be careful. We've got to care for ourselves um, and we've got to resist. Yes. Uh, so I think it's important, but especially in in these times in which we live. Um, yeah.
0: I, I don't know. That's what's up. No, thank yeah. you. Thank you very much.
3: Yeah. And so, you know, my, my thoughts going into to Mystic Soul Project what were, you know, thoughts of excitement and delight. And when I got there and saw all of our beautiful people, um, I, I really, my heart, you know, as John Wesley would say, my heart was strangely warmed. It really was because it was this moment where I got to see all of us come together and, and sort of illustrate our collective struggle to really become who we are called to become, who we're compelled to become. And so I was delighted to be at Mystic Soul Project. I love what um, Teresa, Ra, and Jade are doing. Um, I look forward to seeing how it grows and how it develops. Um, This really is a work of love and a work of heart, a work of passion, and really a work that demands a commitment to Um, to have an awareness of our collective struggle as people of color and an awareness that this is not over until we achieve collective liberation. And it's going to take all of us.
0: The last conversation I had was with one of the people serving food at the event. This is a whole mission and service in and of itself. Mika Battle is a 100% service-oriented person, and I got a chance to talk with her about her service, her mission, and what she was doing there at the Mystic Soul Conference. Here's her take. Check it.
6: Well, I'm here. My name is Mika Battle, and I'm here because we partner with Live Cafe Rashida, who's the owner. We partner with her through catering and um, selected salads and different things that she selected from our catering company over um, in Austin. And we work with ex-offenders, men and women who come out of prison and we house them. And we also train them in culinary arts skills. And so I'm here today because we're catering this event today.
0: That's what's up. And you guys, you said you you work with, you said ex-offenders?
6: Oh yes, ex-offenders. Yep, men and women who come home from prison because men and women who come home from prison sometimes don't know what their purpose is in life or what it is they want to do. And so by some great way the majority of the people who come to our facility have either worked in a restaurant or while they were inside prison they took culinary art skills and so what we do is we just hone in on that and i teach them my recipes and different things like that and just teach them how to serve how to cook how to do our chicken salads and you know, then even experiment with some of the things that they may um, um, be experts in. You know, yes, and no. So.
0: No, absolutely. And I'm wondering, just what is the significance of this? I mean, obviously, it's it makes sense, but for some people maybe listening, it's like what what's so important about having a space like this at this time for people ex for, for ex offenders.
6: Oh, the importance of having a space for ex-offenders is that sometimes men and women who come home from prison have burned up so many of their relational bridges that they don't have anywhere to go to. So Bridge to Freedom is the bridge. We become a family for them, right? And if they can stay out of prison, it saves taxpayers money. Um, Children are saved because their parents are home. Um, just just all kind of things happen. They they learn who and what it is they were supposed to be doing in life and they feel good about themselves. They have mm-hmm. dignity. You know, they have, they just feel good about themselves when they figure out, you know, I'm valuable yeah. to somebody or something. You know, and yeah. so that's that, for anybody that's listening, that's what that does. And there's nobody nowhere that doesn't have somebody or know somebody that's in prison, right? And if it hadn't been for the grace of god we all could be in prison absolutely right? you know even absolutely. a speeding ticket is breaking the law right true so that's true there's nobody that i know of that could say i've never broke the law if you went 35 in a 30 mile zone you've broken the law
0: mm. well thank you for what you do yes we really appreciate yes,
6: it yes yes
1: need the wisdom we need that wisdom there's so much wisdom and practical knowledge and and everything yeah. that needs to be brought out into the mainstream to help us all heal together yeah and so yeah it's it's critical and it's just a beautiful space yes i mean stuff i'm a person of color i haven't engaged in a lot of this these practices and and wisdom that are out there yeah and i want to do my part to help elevate that to expose more people to it because too many people are being pushed to the side, marginalized, you know, quote-unquote live-in shitholes are, uh, are, <laughs> yeah. are treated as yeah. shit and, and are no longer, not no longer, but they're just, people are being thrown away everywhere. Yeah. This says everybody's important, everybody's voice needs to be brought to the table. All of us need to be healed. If my brothers and sisters aren't healed, I'm not healed, I'm not fully who I am, so yeah, bringing this to the light and, and expanding it is what I, the work that I'm going to be about. That's what's up, man.
0: Glad you're here. Yeah.
4: Um, the significance to me is that it is a conference of faith that is actually designed by and for people of color. Yeah. Um, in most conferences that we attend, it is us being acclimated or just kind of weaving into majority of culture mm-hmm. um, and this is just the complete opposite and yeah so there's always discomfort in the conference um, but I think in this space we are the ones who are a little bit more comfortable yeah um, but that's good yeah you know for there to be um, to share that you know so now they are able to learn majority of culture being they is, are able to learn more about our culture yeah. Um, the ways in which we approach um, the life and, and the world and such mm-hmm. um, in a way while at the same time still just a celebration of faith yeah and decompressing and you know all the things that encompass faith you know I was just kind of looking at the agenda and it's it's not a normal conference no you know not what you're normally looking no. into the different sessions and seminars and plenaries and such you know I saw massages and I saw this section just break out for spiritual care and yeah. of course you know we have the cafe and it'll be live music and of course, we're doing a podcast and there's, you know, <laughs> yeah. another podcast tomorrow. You know, coffee shops being set up celebrating social entrepreneurship. Yeah. And um, I love it. And yes. it's very young. It's a bunch of young folks, young. man. Yes, very. Make me feel old. I
0: man. know. I know. I got too much gray in my my beard now, man. <laughs> like, gee whiz. Man. And so, I mean, you, you hit it on already a little bit. But what is some of the significance of having a person of color centered
4: conference it's nothing usually is <laughs> uh, I, 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 that's the easiest way yeah. I can say it you know yeah. is that nothing is usually colored people of color centered it's never yeah uh, it's us you know like even growing up in mm-hmm. school hmm Everything that we were taught, the way to move, the way to behave, the way to yeah. to speak and to navigate <laughs> circles and such, right? Yeah. It was all about how to be successful in a culture that was dominated by uh, the majority, being the white majority. Yeah. There was never a point in any of that where the shoe was flipped. Yeah. There was never a time where... Um, the white majority was had to be taught or were schooled on how do you interact with people of color? Yes. People who are from a different culture than you. Yeah. Um, who still love and have great values, but they just view the world differently because we have different life experiences. Right. It's, it hasn't had to happen. And, Hmm. and because of that, I think that's where a lot of the privilege comes from. I think that's Mm -hmm. where a lot of the -hmm. the arguments come from and even the discussions. right? So when we talk about something that is racist or something that is biased or something that is sexist, it's because they've never had to live it. They've never had to learn it. They've never had to experience it. And consequently, Mm -hmm. you know, that's what you get. So now when we get to learn from one another and see things from another lens, then, you know, hopefully that paradigm begins to change a little bit.
0: Well, there you have it. Some unique voices, huh? Yeah, the Mystic Soul Conference is something else. And guess what? It's happening again on June 7th through the 9th, 2019. Check out mysticsoulproject.com and go on and register early. Trust me, you won't be sorry. This your boy, Daniel White Hodge. I'll see y'all on the flip side. Peace. Hey y'all, thanks so much for a great season two. I have appreciated all the folks who have come on here. I've appreciated all the feedback, all the emails, all the encouragement. Thank you so much. Do not fret. We are coming back. Profane Faith will be back with an even stronger and better season three. So gird your lawns. your boy Dan White Hodge going to be back in the mix and I will be back with great guests, great conversations around the madness and the mess that is happening right now in our society. Y'all catch them coons, I mean, uh, excuse me, them uh, reverends up at uh, the Trumpsters White House. Oh my gosh, we got a lot to talk about y'all. So don't go nowhere and keep subscribing. See you in season three.